I want to say hello to uh, everybody in the U.S., of course, especially the great state of Texas all around here in Cyprus, Texas. But um, Germany is uh, really faithful. So thank you. Pray for you. And I noticed you uh, this week uh, and this month. Uh, Peru. Uh, I would love to hear that story. But God bless you. Praying for you. Everyone who watches or hears these messages in any other place, any other time, we we are praying for you. And the uh, God's... God's word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The anointing knows no boundaries. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to keep talking today about keeping ourselves in position to receive all of God's best uh, for our lives. Amen. Yeah. And we'll just talk about that. You know, probably for another, uh, well, till Jesus comes. So, how's that? <laughs> Which could be very soon. Praise God. One minister said recently, he said, I, I believe it so much I no longer buy ripe bananas. Or green bananas, he said. Mess that one up. Well... I want to talk about positioning ourselves to receive all God's best. So I want to do something. Let's just say the Lord's Prayer together. Amen? Amen. Let's go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke and stronghold. And we just thank you for using me today. I thank you, Lord, to be the vessel to, to sow the seed of your word into the hearts and minds of your children. Let it take root in good ground and bear fruit, hundredfold return. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord's Prayer. It's really a model prayer. There, there's uh, further on in the uh, gospel that I would, I would say, and others that is really what I would consider the Lord's prayer. But this is a model prayer. They asked him, "Teach us how to pray," and this is what he said, what we just said. But I want to talk about one one part of that right now. It said. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Jesus said that. That's what we should pray. What's that mean? More importantly, what's it mean to you? Is that fair? 
I mean, is it talking about his return when he sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns here on earth? Could be. And that will be great. All believers should be hoping for that and praying for it more than anything. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Nothing going to be better. But really, in this context, I think mostly it pertains to his kingdom of which the church body made up of believers should be an example and the subjects of really it pertains to his will his ways being done in the hearts and minds of believers here on earth as in heaven now So that presents some questions. Can, should, is that possible? Yes. Is his will good? Yes. Have you even considered what that means? <laughs> and what is his will? Those are the four questions that he put to me yesterday or some point this week. So let's just take them one by one for a minute, if that's all right. So the answers, so yes, as you correctly stated, it is possible to know his will. Amen. Matter of fact, we are here to learn his will and to get to know him. That's the meaning. That is eternal life, according to the definition given by Jesus himself in John 17, 3. To know the Father and the Son. So that's what we're here for. I mean, here on earth. But here at church today, too, <laughs> as well. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah, we can know his will. Psalm 25. He says, teach me your paths. Go over there, Psalm 25, for a second. Look at uh, the fourth verse. Starting at the fourth verse of Psalm 25. He said... Uh, to te teach me your path. So depending on what translation you're looking at, of course, you know I usually minister out of the English Standard Version. So in this one, it says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. So same thing. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. There's a good clue right there to accessing God, but he was wise. To, he asked, huh? <laughs> Teach me your paths. So David, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
he asked correctly, teach me your paths, O Lord. And because, why? Because you're my God. You're the God of my salvation. And, and he said, I'm going to wait for you all day long. That's very wise. And you know what he got for that? Skip down to the eighth verse. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble. Oh, he leads a certain type of person, a humble person in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So David asked, and he humbled himself. He says, I'll wait as long as it takes. And it says right here that God responded by saying, okay, you know, I'm going to teach you. I'll lead you and I'll teach you. And then it says all the paths, talking about can we know it, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. He's good. For those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. How many of you know Jesus did that for us? Doesn't mean we don't need to. We need to. We need to stay aligned with God and not with the enemy. Praise God. Psalm 119, you don't have to go over there. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 105 says, says, we're guided by God's word. So his word contains his will. Huh? Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 5 and 6 basically says that he makes, he makes our path straight. That's a good thing. Proverbs 19, 21 says, The Lord's purpose prevails. That's a really good thing. And then in Jeremiah 29, popular scriptures, we know that it says he, he knows the... We know the plans, or he knows the plans that he has for us and that they're good. They're good. And then Jesus prayed here what we just talked about in Matthew 6. Your will be done. So, why would he say that if it couldn't be so? He wouldn't. He's not sadistic. <laughs> so we can know his will. The next question that I posed to you was, is it good? And yes, again, you answered correctly and wisely. Yes, his will is good for you. You need to make it personal. But he's just good anyway. He wants to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. 3 John 2, we say 3 John 2 because there's only one chapter. So it's the second verse. It says that that's what he wants above all things. is for us to be in good health and to prosper.
The third one re regarding you thinking about his will, and now this one is, uh, we'll just have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis, person by person. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here today because I know that you all seek God. And so you have to think about what his will is. I hope you do. I don't know if you've considered it, but I believe you have. I hope you have, but I'm going to tell you this, because my work here is not to be the minister of the world. My work here is to raise you up for the work of the ministry. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That's why he gave the five-fold ministry gifts to the church as a gift to raise you up for the work of the ministry. And most Americans do not consider what the Lord's will is. Unless they're in a terrible crisis and then they'll cry out for help and they sometimes mention him before meals and if they get really angry in a sinful way or if they really want someone to believe what they're saying, which is another sin. But not too much real thought. I'm not glad about this. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, I had a, when I was a kid, I, had, I used to love to go to the rodeo. Still do, I guess. I don't go as often as I used to, but I'm still on the committee and work out there. But up, I think around 1975, I went. That was the year the hedge. I saw Charlie Rich there. Saw Charlie Pride. Saw all the Charlies. I think I saw Elvis. And you know, to this day, I'm not sure if Mama really took me or if she just always said she did. But I think I saw Elvis that year, too. Man, they used to have some good lineups, huh? Yes. But Charlie Rich, I was a big fan of Charlie Rich. Man, he could play that piano. When Sam Phillips had him over at Sun Records, he later said that, that, uh, that Charlie Rich was his greatest discovery. And now we know Elvis went through there and bunch of other great ones but they didn't really know what to do with him at first kind of a jazz pianist and this and that and they had to find him as a niche he didn't really he didn't really get too too famous and get a bunch of hits until the 70s about the mid 70s when I saw him he had behind closed doors and, and you know uh, with that song if you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world. And so, you know, and all he said was, tell her I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so, so when I met my wife, <laughs> I just said, uh, Charlie Rich didn't tell you he's sorry. He said, no, I didn't. I did not do that. <laughs> 
but she is still the most beautiful girl in the world to me. But I really liked him, and, and uh, but he sang a song, you know, he wasn't, uh, now that I know the Lord, you know, country music is, <laughs> especially what we call the good old stuff, <laughs> really messed up, man, <laughs> really messed up. And he had a song uh, called Help Me Make It Through the Night. And uh, it was a hit, I guess, probably in 75. But, but, uh, but I was just, I don't know how this even came up. I must have heard it in a grocery store or something playing on the <laughs> elevator or something somewhere, you know, recently. I don't know. But, but, but I was just thinking, this, when I'm talk, talking about do, the, do people consider the Lord's will? You know, because we, we're supposed to keep it ever before us. Not just in a crisis mode, you know. You can't conjure up strong faith in an instant when you need it. So you better hope you have a praying grandma or something like that. Praying mama. But the song is very revealing and it, and it, it really tells you the path of destruction involved and, and the whole thought process there that song he says uh, well let me get past the part that's kind of provocative and uh, he's trying to talk this uh, daughter of God <laughs> into doing something she should not ought to do and uh, it's all because he's lonely and sad, amen? Yeah, and he just wants her to help him make it through the night. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and he says, uh, he said, I, I don't care what's right or wrong. So there's the first problem. I, I don't care what's right or wrong. In other words, my emotions right now are so compelling Nothing else matters. And this is, this is why the prisons are full, you see. And homes are broken and everything else. I don't care what's right or wrong, he says. And then the next thing is even worse. I don't try to understand. You don't even try to understand. And then he goes on to say, let the devil take tomorrow because tonight I need a friend. So it's, it's, it reminded me, uh, <laughs> remind me of somebody in the Bible who sold his birthright for a, for a bowl of soup, you know. It's sad. I hope old Charlie's up there in heaven when I get it. I don't know. I know he died at 62 of a heart attack on the, on the road in a little motel in Louisiana after they, they had driven to see their, uh, their son open up for, for uh, uh, Freddie Fender. I was a big Freddie Fender fan too. Johnny Rodriguez, Freddie Fender, man, good stuff. Anyways, I don't know how I got off into this, but you see, it's just, that's the world. That's how they think. But it's dumb, you know? 
And here he is, he, at the time, I mean, whether you're a big country music fan or not, it didn't matter. He was very famous at the time. I mean, Elvis even said he was one of the, one of the best singers he, he ever heard. He played, he played a Charlie Rich song for the Beatles when they visited his home. <laughs> Old Silver Fox, so he was, he was pretty good, man. People don't think of God's will too much. And lastly, what is his will? That was the last thing I presented to you. Well, Jesus died and rose again so that you could experience God's mercy and grace, didn't he? Mercy is just not getting what you should, what you deserve. Don't ever ask God for what you deserve. What you deserved was the death penalty, and you would have got it if it weren't for Jesus. That's mercy. Grace is just the unearned, undeserved, unmerited blessing and favor of God. Everything that Jesus paid for and earned for you through the atonement of the cross of Calvary, which is all good. You can refer to it as the children's bread. The children's bread is into three basic categories, eternal life, physical and emotional healing, and abundance. I love the acronym for this church, help, heal, everywhere you hurt, empower through the promises and provision of God, love with the love of God and to prosper in every way. Amen. See, you will prosper in every way with God. People come really strong against a prosperity message. And I know why, you know. Things have been done. But there's also a bunch of stuff that people don't understand. I can tell you stories, and I don't know much because I don't, I don't study all that, and I don't keep up with the news or the gossip, gossip even within the, the kingdom of God, and there's plenty of it. But, you know, you know there's, there's big-time, more flamboyant ministers, you know, that they're just very, very, very wealthy. They talk about Joel Osteen. And you could talk about his ministry all you want. He's on God's side, okay? <laughs> he believes Jesus died for him and that he's coming back for us. You're going to see him in heaven, okay? <laughs> he may not preach the, everything you want him to or whatever, but that's, not, but that's, not, that's why you don't have to go to his church. But, you know, I don't think he even take. I mean, unless something changed, he, he, he's made millions off of his books. Mm -hmm. And you might say, well, yeah, but that's because of all the influence he has. To the, well, whatever. He's made, his, he's made his money from the gospel, and it's supposed to pay ministry. So, Jesse Duplantis is another one that people get all in his face and crazy because he's had so many planes. Well, he hasn't had them all at once. He's given away a lot of airplanes. And you know God told him to buy a piece of property back way back when and it hit natural gas wells on that thing, made him multi, multi, multi-millionaire. 
And you know the same thing happened to Kenneth Copeland, except for it was oil, I believe. God told him where to go, buy this land in the middle of nothing. I mean, and it, it produced massively, made them multi, multi, multi-millionaires. And people just, people don't know that. And really, he doesn't, they don't share, those people, they don't, they don't come back with those excuses or share it. They don't feel like they have to explain it because God will bless you. And however he wants to do it, let him do it. But what you find when you start digging, you know, oh, look at that guy. He's driving a brand new fancy car, that preacher. You know, usually you'll find out that he's given away more cars than he's ever owned, you know, or houses or other things like that. They've just tapped into how God gets resources to his people, and they are essential for building the kingdom of God. And that's what a lot of those ministers are promoting. But so... I said all that to say this. The gospel is not a prosperity gospel. No. But the gospel will make you prosper. Amen. For sure. And in John 16, talking about what is God's will, John, so we talk, we're talking about so that you can enjoy the benefits of your salvation, mercy and grace, which are wonderful and all-inclusive. And then in John 16, 13, on that last faithful night, man, if you don't read John, the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, 16, 17, and often, you're really missing out. To me, it's just like, oh, just so wonderful. Jesus had so much to say that night, you know. But in the 16th chapter, in the 13th verse, he said that he was going to send, when he left, it's good that he was leaving for starters, because then he was going to send another helper. And he's, he, one of the, he called him the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, didn't he? He would guide us into all truth, that, that helper. And that truth is not that God wants tragedy or hardship for us, is it? No one ever got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and then came back and said, Oh, well, y'all, that, uh, that spirit of truth Jesus was talking about, he showed up. And, uh, well, as it turns out, it's not, it's not good for us, y'all. Uh, he, he, you know, he, he, he wants us, he wants us sick and broke and depressed and, and just sort of a penance for being so disappointing to him. No, that's wrong. That's all lies. That's the devil's gospel. You can't call it the devil's gospel because gospel means good news, but that's the, that's the devil's teachings and their lies and deceptions. It sounds religious. <laughs> Some people would think they heard a good message if they heard that. Oh, the Lord really got me today. So silly. But it's all lies. He wants all good for us, doesn't he? All good. Jesus paid for every sin. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. And so... 
the Holy Spirit leads us into all the truth. But you know, Bill, I, I, I never, I never been to Home Depot one time and someone just met me at the door and said, come on. And led me back to the garden hoses without me asking, and said, uh, well, sir, uh, I don't know if you're here for a garden hose or not, but if you are, here they are, right here. <laughs> Never happened to me, ever. <laughs> but recently I was in Home Depot, and I was looking for some eight-foot cedar fence pickets, and I must have walked past them three or four times, I guess, and didn't see them. And there was a young lady who saw me, kind of like, must have had that dumb look on my face, like when my wife says, what is it? <laughs> and I haven't said anything. <laughs> Well, I've been looking for something for an hour and a half. <laughs> and then she t I tell her and she finds it in seven seconds. But when I asked her, I told her what I was looking for. And I asked her, she said, can I help you find something? Yeah. And I uh, told her and she, she took me right over to him. Yeah. So I had what I needed. This what I was looking for, and I thanked her for it. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. Many times. So maybe we need to talk to the Lord about stuff. Maybe we need to ask for the things that we need. He already knows, but it's good to ask because when it get it, then you know who to thank. <laughs> Being thankful is important. We're still talking about keeping ourselves positioned or aligned with God to receive all his best for our lives. And I'm telling you, being thankful is very important. I'm glad I thanked that lady at Home Depot. She was very nice and it made her feel good and that she had done something of value for me and it didn't cost me anything. That's right. Which brings me back to talking about how to stay positioned to receive all that God has for your life how to truly prosper so that's why I'm talking about humility again I just finished the second week of our fast I didn't ask how many of you continued on with me I, I let you off the hook after the first week and I was so thankful that you were all part of that but I've continued on, and I'm going to continue on again this week. 
and I'm going to break the fast. Um, let's see, Tavana's birthday is Friday. She has to work until like 7 o'clock or 8, and I'm going to pick her up from work. We're going to drive through the night to Laredo because I'm holding an army meeting down there um, for the Minister's Association. And then we'll wake up and we'll have the, uh, the meeting there at uh, my, one of my area leaders' uh, churches. And I know that they've prepared uh, a big shindig for us all. So I want to... I want to partake of that lunch, and, and uh, I, I, the Lord has said, yeah, that's a good time to, to come off. That'll be three weeks. So anyway, that's, that's my plan. If you want to keep going, and you've been doing it with me silently and praying, and uh, then you can, but that's up to you. Praise God. But yeah, we want to talk about humility, because it all is, is part true humility, I say true humility, and I have to do that because most people don't understand humility, you know. And a lot of times they disguise and think what they're calling humility, it's really pride. <laughs> it's false humility, which is pride. Nevertheless, being um, truly humble, that kind of humility is one of the keys that I love to talk about to the kingdom of God that opens probably as many doors as anything else. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's not a fun topic, maybe, but it should be. Because humility, you know what humility does? You know, sheep, you hear me say sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. <laughs> Humility just offloads all that onto Jesus. It makes you totally dependent upon him, and you say so. That's humility. It positions us to receive from God. It increases grace in our lives. It increases goodness and the anointing of God in our lives. And it improves our relationship with God. And with people. So it's a good thing. The way up with God, it truly is down. If you will seek God for understanding of this sort of uh, upside down path to success for your life, it'll help you. It'll help you to reap incredible benefits in your life because of the Lord's favor or grace. I hope y'all heard that. Another requirement to receiving all God's best and to keep the devil out is faith. We call to a life of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, speaking of God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So there are rewards 
We're not earning anything from God. He doesn't owe us anything, but he has a system. He has laws, spiritual laws in place through which we obtain the blessings that he has there for us. Just like with this fast. If you, if you were fasting properly to seek God and to get closer to God and to hear God and to pray for others and for yourself and to get answers, I can guarantee you that you should be, first of all, just like any time you put an offering in the offering plate, that should be wrapped with expectancy from you of a, a return, a harvest on that seed sown. The same thing with a, a, a fast. It doesn't twist God's arm and make him indebted to you. He doesn't owe you anything, but you can expect rewards. And if you haven't benefited from it, then you might as well just eat, you know, because it's, it's guaranteed. A lot of benefits. Well, you, don't, you know why, for starters? The number one thing that people talk about, I, I, I can't, I just, I need a word from God. I can't, if I just knew what he wanted, if I just knew the next step, if I just knew what God was saying. Well, listen, he's always talking. And when you fast and pray, you'll hear him more clearly. It's been a wonderful two weeks. I mean, things are just, I was talking about humility and I jumped to faith because you know why? Faith is humble. You can't separate the two. Because faith is just saying that my father, my father, you need to make it very personal. My father is the awesome God of the universe and he loves me unconditionally and whatever he promises, he does. And it's all because of Jesus who earned all this for me in spite of all the bad that I truly deserve. That's faith and humility. So you can brag on God all you want and say it's all about you and all for you, just don't forget to give all the glory to God, to Jesus. Amen. So you can't, you can't brag on all the grace of God and not mention the one through whom grace and truth came and the dear price he paid That'll keep you humble, no matter what the benefits. It's a wonderful balance, though, to live right there in that place. You know, our life, you know, our lives, folks, are lived in seasons. Yeah, we, 
We live our lives in cycles. I don't know if you realize this, or seasons. God gave us seasons as natural examples of many things in, in life. You know? He talks about that in the Word. In Romans chapter 1, he talks about that. How he uses, and how everybody knows that there's a God, and they're not him, because he's shown them, even through, through, the, through nature, and through the world that he created. You know, in the, the spring times, it's a super oversimplified thing. In the spring times of our lives, and I'm not talking about every three months of season changes in your life. It's not like that. But you will have these cyclical seasons in your life. And in the spring times of your life, all is well. There's, it's full of life and hope. Huh? And then summer... Summers can bring division and uh, heated conflict. Then the fall, in the fall there should be harvest, should be, I said, should be plenty, usually, if you prepared and you handled things right in the springtime. <laughs> But then you're also preparing for the winter. And then the winters of our lives can be very bleak and get to the point where things may look hopeless at times. Should never be like that for a believer. But you know what I'm talking about. Those times when you, he's like, well, Jesus must, the rapture must already happen and he forgot me. <laughs> Everything's gone. But look at John 16, 33, where Jesus said this. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And he was just telling them how he was going to be, suffer a terrible death and die and he raised from the dead, which they didn't quite understand all that, yes. But, but he said, I've, I've told you all this, about all this tragedy so you'd have peace. <laughs> Not exactly like that, but that's, that's probably what it seemed like to them. And he said, in the world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You can always take heart. John 10.10, among other scriptures, tells us that it isn't God who brings tragedy into our lives. Right? It's the devil. But if we allow him, God that is, he'll use those tragedies and those hardships, the winters of our life. He will use those things to make us stronger and build our character, and he will use all that the devil meant for evil, he'll turn it for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if you're saved, you're called. 
but it requires humility. Did I say we need humility <laughs> and faith? I'm going to keep saying it. It requires humility. It requires faith. It requires determination. It requires focus on the vision. Do you have a vision for your life? The vision, the, the beautiful plan, the image of hope. Our godly imagination creates hope. A picture of a future that God has for us inside of us. And God will cause it to come to pass if we will trust him completely. Somebody said that we are believers. We are made like, God made us like submarines. Submarines are designed to withstand great pressure. First of all, they pressurize them from the inside, and then they're made out of extremely strong materials so that they can go deeper and withstand more pressure than any other vehicle in the world. The U.S. has some now that are really just amazing. Should be. Anytime you pay a thousand times what something is worth. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know anything about it. How much a submarine should cost? I haven't bought one lately. <laughs> Especially a nuclear one with all that kind of technology and things that would probably keep us up at night. Thank God we have people that do that and protect us. Amen. Amen. But God made believers like that to overcome and to be powerful under pressure. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Those U.S. subs, I saw one rolled out recently. That's why it's on my mind. But, and I remembered somebody talking about this. But the, they, look, they, look, they look like something from outer space now. You know, pretty cool. But, I mean, they're, they're just really, they don't break, you know. I was thinking, you know, the only way you could probably make one of those things sink is, you know, sabotage. Somebody, some dummy in there just opened the hatch and all the windows, you know, <laughs> let the water in. It's like that with us, too. Don't send me emails. I know submarines don't have windows. I don't know much about them, but you get my point. We need to know, we need to know, though, who we are. We have identity crisis amongst believers for the most part. 
We walk in power. We have authority and victory that Jesus has paid for with his precious blood. So, so we don't fall into deception and sabotage every good thing that God tries to give us. We need to take ownership of our new identity in Christ. We need to be aware of who we are and what we have. And you know, it's our responsibility to grow. To grow <laughs> in our Christian lives and to be better. You know what I mean? Okay, y'all are looking at me like, what's he, what? <laughs> we need to learn to receive from God. That's how we grow. That's one of the ways we grow. I mean, you know, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a child, you know, they expect it to walk at about, what, a year? Something like that. But, you know, if they don't wear, if, it, if at 12 months they're not walking, I mean, it, what, <laughs> people say, well, uh, you know, how, how long are you going to give them? You know, well, I don't know, I figure maybe we give them another couple of weeks and, and trade them in. No, <laughs> you're going to say, I, I'm never going to give up on, I, I, he I ain't going to walk. I'm not going to, he's going to, I'm going to keep waiting until he walks. God does the same for us. But we could be living our best life now. Knowing our true identity is important. You're a child of God. What does that mean to you? I mean, that, man, if you really think about that, that is just so amazing. You are in this world, but you are not of this world any longer. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Colossians 1.13 says, Believers have been relocated from the kingdom of darkness, that's the world, into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Jesus has already overcome. We're not trying to win a victory, you see. We don't have to defeat the devil. Jesus has already won. All we have to do is protect what is already ours. So many people are waiting on a God to send them something they already got. You just need to run off the devil. So even in the coldest winters, you can have full confidence. You can have peace and joy in Christ because you've already overcome. You're in Christ, and he's already overcome, and he triumphed. He, he, he made a spectacle out of Satan. First John 5, 5 
says, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Everybody say, that's me. So don't agree with the world and don't say what the world says. Know who you are and stand firm. Don't settle for less. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, if he's given us that, then anytime we have anything rears its head that doesn't look like that, we need to run it off and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the authority you have. Right. And see, faith, you know, don't always expect everything to be so instantaneous. Right. Know that your authority has been spoken and that it's a done deal. Well, it's still, the problem's still there. Uh, the pain is still there. Well, rebuke it again. But when you finally get in faith and you know that you know that you know that you have exercised your authority according to the will of God, which is for you to be blessed and healthy and prosperous, then just rest in it. The devil's just trying to wait you out to see if you'll say, well, it didn't work, and get on the phone and with a pity party and just tell people I need to find out what I need to do. Well, you did it already. Now you just reversed it. If you would have just held on in faith. Find somebody to help you hold on in faith instead of that worldly friend who will tell you all the wrong advice, even if they mean well. <coughs> Philippians chapter 4, I'm about done here, but verses 6 through 8. These are, these are Devana's live scriptures, I would say. I, I don't know, she might call it something different, but I'd say that probably... It doesn't mean she can recite it word for word, and I'm not, you know, nobody's trying to act like they're some great theologians. This set her free right here. So even if I told her, if she was to try to quote this to you without reading it, she, she would just say it different. But it's, it would be a, her synopsis. It's about getting all your thoughts into, into subjection to Jesus, you see. And it, it turned her whole life around. And if you will, there, this is so profound, these three scriptures. If you will just meditate on them and tear them apart and, and, and mold it over, this, there's no way these three scriptures cannot tremendously drastically change your life forever. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Philippians 4, chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, see, right there, we, you're like, well, 
you know, that's easy for you to say. I didn't say it. God did. <laughs> and if, he tell, if God tells, gives you an instruction, then there's grace for that. There's provision and power for you for that. He will never ask you to do anything that he has not equipped you to do. He would be unjust and he would not be a good father to do so. He would be sadistic and he's not. He loves you. So when he tells you don't be anxious for anything, that means you don't have to be. So when anxiety comes upon us, we can run it off in the name of Jesus. And how do you replace the spirit of heaviness? With praise. That's what runs it off. God inhabits the praise of his people. He replace a spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. Nevertheless, there, is, there are keys to the kingdom is what I'm trying to tell you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's, there's the solution. I mean, I told you one solution. He, he just answered it right there. Don't be anxious about anything. But instead, so here's how not to be anxious. Pray about everything. Make your request known to God. And then start thanking Him when you pray. Because the Bible teaches us, believe you have what you pray for when you pray and you shall have it. That's awesome. If you don't, if you don't, if your faith does not make people think you're an idiot, then you're not really operating in faith. Because to start thanking God for something that they can't see, when it looks like you still have the problem, they think you're a fool. But really they are. And I'm not calling them that. The Bible does. Verse 7. And when you've done that, instead of being anxious about it, you turn to God and, 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 and talk to Him about it. And start thanking Him for taking care of it for you. Now, the peace of God, which is what we all want, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. God's peace. Remember when Jesus gave us that peace as a gift? John 14, 27. Remember that, those, three, those, those four chapters I told you about? They're so awesome. He gave us a personal gift of that profound peace that we watched him walk in in his life. He gave it to you as a gift, and he said, I won't take it back. It's yours forever. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, here's the scripture that Tavana needed at the time. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. In other words, someone was ministering to her, a dear friend and minister, and saying, you, you, you got to change your thought life. 
Anything that doesn't line up with God, or and, and, and for now, let's just put it into these categories right here that God listed for us. If it doesn't line up with that right there, throw it out. Amen. Refuse to think about it. She said, okay, she's the type, she's just like got that childlike faith. Okay, I can do that. And let me tell you, she's really good at it. She's really good at it. She, you, you, you're not going to catch her in unforgiveness. That means she don't get mad. She got so mad at that, that rude sheriff deputy that gave her that ticket the other day. I almost got mad last night because I drove that same route and I saw what she was talking about. He was wrong, wrong, wrong. He wrote it up wrong. He lied he, uh, on two different things. He lied. And anyway, but she's already forgiven him and she's going to take the defensive driving thing or whatever. But she was mad that day, but she, got, she, she let it go. She's not going <laughs> to. The most important thing to her is that she got home and that I, I just loved on her and told her that I was sorry. And I, I hugged her and said, I'm sorry this happened to you. <laughs> but she, she, she's not letting that knucklehead uh, rent space in her head or her heart. She won't. Listen, we have to learn to discipline our disappointments. The winners of our lives can be harsh, but we have to bring our thoughts, our words, our actions into subjection to Jesus Christ, to his will and his ways his teachings, we have to hope. And Christian hope is a confident expectation of good. It's not just wishing, well, I hope so. No, I can tell by the tone that that's not Christian hope. A confident expectation of good from God. A godly vision for the future. Yesterday is gone. Charlie Rich is coming back. Yesterday is dead and gone. And tomorrow's out of sight. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yesterday really did end last night, folks. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. It's not a dress rehearsal. Yesterday is over, and you can choose to stay back there with it. So many do, mistakenly. Or you can focus on today and get a plan to allow God to make you the person he created you to be Amen. with a bright, joy-filled future ahead of you. That's what he wants. Amen. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Romans 12.1 and 2, and I'll end here. These are sort of foundational scriptures for our ministry Paul is 
just laid out the most beautiful picture of grace, the book of Romans. He gets to the 12th chapter, and based on everything I've just told you, all the wonderful things that God has done on your behalf, therefore, brethren, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's, it's your reasonable service to God, is what he said. Do not be conformed to this world. You're going to be conformed to something. You're going to be poured into the mold of something, shaped your opinions, your thoughts, your ideas, your ideals. It's either going to be God or it's going to be the world. And the world is run by the devil mm -hmm. temporarily. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind by this word, the word of God. And then look at this. So it's telling you don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. That's that word metamorpho in Greek, which is the metamorphosis, like a, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Mm -hmm. Something that's earthbound to something that takes flight and soars in the sky. Beautiful. So once you've done that and renewed your mind according to God's will, which is found in his word, then look at this. So that by testing, you may discern, you may discern what is the will of God. Can you know the will of God? It says you can. It says you can and it tells you how. <coughs> what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? And that's a whole nother message, but I love that. Who said you can't know the will of God? The Bible says you can, and you should. He wants you to know his will for you, and it's, it's good. S-K-O-O-D. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Like a submarine, folks, you need to be pressurized from the inside out. Spend time with God. Read the Word of God. Fast. Pray. Say what God says. Settle for nothing less. Send your faith out to retrieve everything that God has for you and don't let it rest until it returns with what you are believing for, as long as it lines up with the Word of God. Become a living sacrifice. That's God's will for your life. The problem with living sacrifices, Andrew says, they like to keep crawling down off the altar. Well, you find yourself having crawled down, just crawl back up there. It's all right. <laughs> It'll bring you closer to God, which is what you need and what you want. And you'll begin to prosper in every area of your life. 
you will begin to see your God-given dreams come to pass. So let's say that phrase together one more time. Father, let your will be done in me now and always as it is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. You know, in heaven, talking about his will on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness. There's no sadness. There's no lack. Only love and prosperity and blessings. I speak those things over every one of you and everyone who hears this message and all of your family and all of your loved ones and everything you put your hands to will prosper in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and kindness. Thank you that your will be done in us, in our hearts, in our lives, as it is in heaven. We want that, Lord. Show us how to achieve that. Help us to hear you clearly, to respond to your teachings. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, that you will guide us and remind us of everything that Jesus has said. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Christ Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our home is in heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are in this world, but we are not of it. Help us to realize our identity and even though we feel the pressures of this life, we are pressurized from the inside out to withstand the pressure and overcome because you've already earned and won the victory, Lord Jesus, and it's ours in you. Help us to learn to walk in that authority, to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in love and power and victory, when we walk in the room, Lord, let the, the atmosphere change because a child of God who knows who they are and walks in that victory and authority and love and life and peace and light has entered the building. And demons will flee in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.